Welcome to Visma Ski Classics podcast, Livinio to Levy. Visma Ski Classics is the long distance ski championships with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams, bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Welcome to Livinio to Levy podcast once again. The winter is behind us, uh, but we keep going really, really strong. And I have a special guest here, Martin Holmstrand. Really special in terms of that his team, Team Serneke, will be uh, with us uh, no longer. Uh, welcome to our show, Martin, and it's good to have you here and also hear what you are planning to do in the future. Yeah, thank you for be, uh, letting me be here and uh, it will be an interesting uh, conversation. So uh, I'm looking really forward to it. So Martin, really, I mean, you are in a kind of a, in on the verge of a new kind of an era. You are quitting. You, your team, Team Seneca, is uh, is going kind of, wouldn't really say it's defunct because some of your athletes are still continuing. Uh, but you are... Uh, not continuing as a team uh, director. No, that, how come? Yeah, 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 it's a good question. But uh, uh, my plan from the beginning, when I started the team and uh, met uh, Ola Sanecke, uh, my my goal and uh, main plan was to do this uh, project in uh, maximum five years. And now we have uh, done uh, almost four, <laughs> so uh, and uh, do the the special situation in the world right now. I think uh, I felt it was a natural step to uh, to quit now, actually. So would you say that Corona and, and and this kind of hoopla that's going around was the the ultimate kind of kind of push, you know, for you to decide not to continue? Yeah, because uh, I couldn't really see the light because we we, we don't uh, seem to have a season in the summer, maybe, and then it's a long, long time to the next winter season. And uh, I, I, I'm not a person who uh, who is looking forward to wait for for stuff to happening. So I, I felt I will um, uh, have to try to do uh, something else. But you really had a good team. Um, team Seneke, we could say probably the second best team after uh, Lager 157 ski team from Sweden. Uh, you guys were pretty much a couple of years ago, you were the kind of the surprise team. You had some good athletes, Bob Impola, second uh, at Vasa Lopet and so forth. So uh, it must be kind of tough for the athletes too. But suddenly when you told them that you, you know, this is it. Yeah, of course. It's uh, always sad to to quit something, but... I, uh, when I have the discussion with uh, with the athletes, uh, half almost half of them they will quit uh, their careers and will not ski anymore. Yeah, of course they will ski, but not uh, at uh, the same level. So it was uh, yeah, it was a bit easier to um, take the decision actually. What was kind of something that surprised you about being a team director? Because there's a lot of work that goes into it, but and then again, what were kind of the things that you were really happy about? Yeah, it's uh, of course it's a lot of work, but it gives you a lot of memories and uh, experience uh, that you never could ima- imagine that you uh, you could get. Uh, and uh, if you see uh, my four years, the, the first maybe the first year everything was new. Of course, I have been skiing in the ski classics before by by myself, but. Um, 
uh, everything was new and uh, to be honest uh, you, you didn't know so much so you uh, you have to learn everything from uh, almost from the beginning but anyway we we did uh, get really good results uh, the first year was uh, pretty amazing if you see the, uh, what kind of athletes we have and uh, and then it w- went uh, even better the second year so uh, i was easy to um, it was easy to motivate uh, myself to continue and if you think about all these years that you were involved, what were kind of the best memories, best events, uh, things that really, really uh, you were happy about and, and, and will recall in the years to come? Yeah. Oh, it's a lot of memories, of course. But uh, but I remember the first year, actually the first uh, pro team tempo and the Scambiada in Italy. Uh, I remember uh, Sarah Lindborg, she got a podium place uh, immediately. And then uh, Bob Impala came from <laughs> yeah, nowhere and uh, got a fifth place in the Scambeda. It was a really big surprise for, I think, everyone. And uh, that was really important for us because when I uh, had my first meeting with uh, Saneke, <laughs> yeah, I, I think they... Uh, the, the athletes that I uh, I bring to them, they didn't know uh, anyone. Maybe except uh, Sarah, of course. But but it was really important to get good results from the beginning. Otherwise, I think I have been quite criticized. Uh, but now it was everything was uh, everyone was uh, happy and uh, enthusiastic from from the beginning. Please tell us about the uh, the kind of the origin or the genesis of your team when you met with the Serneke and how you kind of put this team together. It's a quite interesting story. For uh, five years ago, I started the National Long Distance Cup. Uh, it's like a uh, ski classics in uh, in a miniature in, uh, in in Sweden. At our last uh, competition, the final in uh, Malung in Sweden, we uh, we had like a. Uh, waxing service and just before the start I think it was like 2-3 minutes before the start uh, a guy just ran uh, out to the tents and uh, he said that oh, I have lost my my drinking belt I have nothing uh, I need it uh, I need something now uh, and I didn't know the guy so I just opened my car it was a drink a filled up drinking belt and some liquids so I gave it to him and everything was real good he ran back to the to the start and directly after the the, the finish we, we uh, started to talk and then I realized uh, what guy it was and it was Ola so we, we were standing and talking for almost one one and a half hours and then we decided to um, I should meet him uh, once again in Gothenburg, where Seneca have, have their uh, head office. And uh, directly after Vasaloppet, I uh, drive to Gothenburg and uh, met him. And then, yeah, things uh, was uh, in, in, in the start. So for those of people out, out there listening, uh, what is Seneca? Most of them may not know the company. Yeah, Senec is uh, one of the biggest uh, growing companies in in Sweden, and they are doing a construction. It's uh, it's mainly a construction company, and uh, also real estate. And uh, yeah. And what did Ula say when you told him that? Okay, this is it. I'm quitting. 
uh, actually, uh, as you know, it's a strange sit situation now. So uh, I think we have we haven't talked so much. We have talked a lot uh, during the winter, so it's no surprise for him. But uh, of course, uh, he's a big fan of skiing, and um, even if Tim Sanek is uh, quitting, we will have uh, we will continue our cooperation. And uh, we actually, we have I'm in this moment I'm working on uh, some interesting project with uh, with him and Sanek. So uh, we will not uh, quit to work together. Actually. But will Team Seneca be uh, in Visma Ski Classic? So do you think that they will uh, continue sponsoring or is that an option that might happen? Uh, not the, I, I don't think, not in this moment. We will, uh, we will change the, the strategy of uh, the sponsorship. And, uh, but of course, uh, if someone in the future uh, uh, will be able to run a Ski Classics team, uh, I think that's uh, possible, of course. But m maybe not, uh, not, in this, uh, not in this time and not so close to we quit uh, uh, this team. So at the beginning of your story, you mentioned that you are running a sort of this ski cup or an, an other kind of series within Sweden, which is a long distance skiing series. Let's talk about Martin Holmstern a little bit. Uh, who are you and what's kind of your story? How did you become the team director? Oh, uh, <laughs> to, to do a long story short or yeah. Uh, I'm, of course, I'm as many others, uh, pro team directors. I'm a former um, athlete by myself, uh, and I, when I uh, when I quit skiing for five years ago, yeah, then I met Ola. But before that, I, of course, I have been uh, quite a good skier, but uh, far away from, uh, from 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 the best. Uh, but I, um, I discovered early that uh, business and uh, yeah, other work was I was actually more interesting about that. So uh, during my last three four years as an athlete, I started uh, with some project and uh, the most uh, famous is uh, nowadays Craft Ski Marathon and it was the former AXA Ski Marathon. So I started that and. Um, when I have some success with that event, uh, I started uh, one more, and then I was contacted by an uh, organization called Sweden Mountain Bike, who is running the, the national uh, cup in uh, mountain bike in Sweden. So they asked me if I want to do a version in the winter uh, with them. And then I started with the National Cup and then, <laughs> yeah, uh, things have just uh, started to roll pretty well um, from that. And um, yeah, it was a quite uh, was a easy step to do uh, into the ski classics and uh, as a yeah, team director. You mentioned earlier that you were interested in the business side of things, but what was so fascinating about the business itself i think it's i like to create uh, create uh, things uh, and uh, in ski classes you're able to create you can start from yeah zero almost nothing then you can create you have to do like a platform with sponsors of course you need the economy for uh, running the the business itself and then uh, you're not able to do anything uh, without athletes. Then you have to um, do a, a great team that works together. And also th they have to um, make value to the sponsors. 
and then you have to 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 make the athletes better you have a good service team so it's quite complex and uh, but that challenge i think it's very interesting but uh, everything is uh, positive or negative but uh, in my way it's i think the, the i think the, the best thing is to um, have a good platform and uh, make sure that you have the money to um, to compete but sometimes, of course, uh, it's a lot to do, and um, it's it's quite hard, especially for me, but because I have been uh, all by myself. And uh, sometimes, of course, I I, don't, I can't uh, do an, uh, everything. That's my actually my big, biggest issue uh, during these years. And personally, you mentioned your skiing. Uh, how good were uh, you really? I mean, you said you were a pretty good skier, but not good enough. But if you go back to those years before you started your team, yeah, my my best results uh, have been in in uh, in the long distance uh, race and in Vasaloppet. I have been around uh, yeah, like forty uh, sometimes in uh, in Vasaloppet. So I have been. Uh, the last two years, I have been between one minute or three minutes behind the the, the winner. So it's yeah, it's it's good, but uh, anyway, it's quite far away if you see in an elite perspective. That's actually really good. I mean, you were kind of close, but have you ever considered kind of continuing a little bit? Maybe now you have a little bit more time. I'm not talking about like seriously coming back, but at least pushing a little bit more. Of course, now I will have uh, maybe some time uh, over in uh, during the winter, but uh, I felt I was quite. Uh, my last season uh, was actually my best Vasaloppet, so of course it was it should be normal to continue. But I felt uh, my uh, the business in itself it was uh, it felt more important and uh, I f- uh, somewhere I think I'm better in business and uh, than in skiing. <laughs> so the business side of things took you over. Uh, but when we go back to this season, this was kind of a special season. First of all, it was the anniversary season, 10th Visma Ski Classics uh, season. But then again, uh, three of the, uh, the races at the end uh, didn't even happen due to the, uh, the, you know, the pandemic that it's uh, still raging uh, all over. But when you look back uh, back on this particular year, what would you like to say from your perspective and from your team's perspective? Of course, as you said, it was a special. Uh, it's a very special season, and for uh, our team, it was uh, not the best season. Of course, everyone can see that. Um, except Vasalop, the Vasalop was actually quite good. We have some good. Uh, uh, some good result and uh, we at least we tried we tried uh, our best uh, and i think if the season uh, have to, yeah, have, was able to continue i think we have uh, been able to do uh, really good results in the last races uh, but unfortunately we we couldn't uh, manage that now and um, the start of the season, uh, maybe not Scambia, but uh, the races in uh, in January. Uh, that races was uh, too bad. Of course, uh, we had hope for uh, for a lot of more. When you look at your skiers and, and or go through that a little bit, you know, and you mentioned some of them are quitting. Mm-hmm. I know that Andes Malmen Hurst won't continue, uh, Magdalena Payala won't continue, but Pimpola will, I guess. But pretty briefly, if you go through them individually, kind of evaluate them as skiers and, and let us know 
what their future plans are in terms of uh, Bismarcki Classics. Yeah, of course, I think uh, all the athletes that will continue, uh, they have, um, I think their their um, their goal is to go in the ski classics. But uh, of course, it's uh, it's tough times now. You you maybe you need uh, to be in a team, or at least you have to um, you have to uh, get to, together with someone else. Because I I think it's uh, still possible to go ski classics uh, without a professional team. Uh, because if you see, if you look back in the uh, in the past, uh, you uh, you actually did the Vasaloppet and Marcelonga by yourself, and uh, a lot of the athletes back in the time they did the races were really good. So I don't I don't think you have to give up if you're not in a professional team. And Magdalena Payala, how did you find her? That was a kind of big news when you announced that you will have her in your team. Uh, actually, she, she was uh, contacting me uh, before. He was contacting a, a real good friend of, of mine, so we are talking about it, and uh, it felt interesting. Uh, you have almost uh, a bit forgotten her because uh, she uh, was a mom for uh, for some year ago, and then she had some bad uh, season with injury. But uh, I think it was, uh, of course, it was a chance, uh, uh, a, a bit of gambling. But uh, I think she's, uh, it felt really good when I uh, met her. So it was like a year-long comeback for her. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm quite impressed by Magdalena because if you see back, she have. Yeah, a lot of years uh, that she almost couldn't compete, uh, and some winter she was only competing a couple of races. And uh, this winter she was uh, able to do almost all the races. Yeah, but of course I understand her decision. Uh, she's on a certain age, and uh, she have uh, a family, and uh, yeah. So I I'm not uh, very surprised, but. Uh, I, I think she was she was trying. And then Anders Malmenhöst, you know, from Norway. That must have been a little bit different to have someone like him in your team. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I remember when Team Lisplango was uh, quitting their team. Uh, of course, there was a lot of very interesting athletes uh, that was able to 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 get into the team and uh, have a discussion with almost <laughs> whole the team but uh, our situation back then I was able to okay we can have uh, at least one athlete and uh, I was uh, I felt Anders was uh, his mentality and um, uh, as a person it felt uh, he was the right uh, right guy and uh, I'm not uh, regretting anything I I remember our first training camp you can directly see the the difference in mentality between Sweden and Norway. And uh, when uh, we were in Livigno and when everyone, uh, we were done with the training session and they have like 20 minutes to the to the dinner, he started to run intervals uh, at the parking just, <laughs> just uh, after the, um, the training. And you, you could see directly the, this was a guy who wanted uh, wanted success. And then what about Pop Impola? He is continuing. These two, Magdalena and uh, Andes, won't continue. They are retiring, but Pop Impola will continue. Yet, And you talked about his surprise Vasa Lopet race a couple of years back. What are his plans? 
Yeah, he's playing. He will continue for uh, some year, uh, he have told me. And uh, uh, everyone knows uh, Bob's capacity. Uh, it's Of course, it's uh, a bit up and down. But in the last two seasons, uh, especially this season, he's more, he's more equal uh, during the races. And uh, uh, he's uh, one of the few uh, male athletes in Sweden that actually can uh, win or go to the podium. Have been a, a bit more athletes from the male side, of course, this winter. But uh, before, Bob was one of few that could uh, go uh, almost to the top. And then, of course, a brief word on Pontus Nuström, Ludwig Tanning, Jimmy Jonsson and Oskar Svensson. Those were the team members that you had. What are they going to do? Yeah, Oskar Svensson was just a stand-in in Vasaloppet. Uh, that was really nice to have but uh, he will continue with the i think the national team and uh, we have to see uh, the uh, the national team of course but uh, i think he will continue as uh, as before uh, jim is uh, quitting his career he quit for uh, i think it's uh, one month ago pontus will continue as before uh, and uh, julia will continue as before so i think it's no changes there I think this is a good time to listen to uh, to your teammates. Uh, we have Anders Malmen Hurst here commenting a little bit about you and uh, might be a little bit surprising as well. I've been a part of Team Sarneke for the last three years and I know Martin as a person who likes to have a lot to do and uh, that's important when you're trying to please both skiers and waxers and sponsors at the same time. But uh, he's a, a good multitasker, so he usually handles it quite uh, good. But even for Martin, it uh, it might be too much sometimes. But uh, yeah, usually uh, he, he managed to find good solutions in stressful times. Martin is really passionate about skiing, and uh, and uh, I feel that's uh, really important when your your life is so involved in skiing. So uh, that's been uh, very good. And um, yeah, being part of the team Sörnäcke, I've. Uh, learn about the Swedish mentality, even though uh, you could say Norwegian and the Swedish mentality and uh, culture and towards the sport is is quite uh, similar, but uh, there are some really important differences to exist and that's that you you have to eat warm meals for lunch. Uh, Bread bread is not good, then then the day is ruined. But it's it's been a great journey being part of uh, Team Sörnäcke and um, uh, it's now come to an end. But um, I wish Martin all the best for the future. So Martin, when you listen to this, uh, uh, Anders said that you are a multitasker. Is that a good word to describe you? Yeah, uh, Anders is uh, correct. Uh, he's knowing, knowing me very well and uh, as he mentioned... Uh, I like to have a lot to do, but uh, sometimes, of course, it's uh, even to me uh, too much. And uh, and you can see that it's depending uh, on the season. Uh, because in uh, November, December and January, I have extremely much to do. And because I have my own uh, events in Sweden, and then I have to combine that with uh, the Ski Classic Circus and all the traveling. So, um, yeah, that's... Uh, as I mentioned before, it's maybe my biggest issue that I have uh, so much projects uh, during the same time. Uh, it uh, should be easier to only focus on maybe the team or something else. So did you ever feel that you have too much on your plate? 
Yeah, sometimes, of course, uh, especially during, uh, yeah, maybe Vasaloppen, Marisalonga. I have all uh, other business and then I have uh, I have to run uh, some products with our main sponsor. And then I should, uh, yeah, uh, the most important is to perform, uh, so to combine uh, everything. Uh, this, it's uh, sometimes pretty, pretty tough. So let's talk about those projects that you have uh, in the pipeline. I know that you can't talk, maybe can't talk too much about them, but please sh- shed a little light on on your your future. Yeah, the future. Of course, I will. Uh, I will continue with uh, everything I have done before, actually. Uh, but I I want to increase the level of my own uh, events. So we will. We I will put a lot of effort in the craft skin marathon. Uh, and then, uh, as I said, I will do uh, maybe, it um, seems like we will do a big uh, event more uh, together with, uh, actually with uh, Cernecke. Uh, maybe not with Cernecke, but they are they are involved. And then I'm uh, actually in these days, I'm heading for the real estate uh, market. Uh, I've been done that in a private uh, the last two years, but now I will uh, try my wings and um, because I have the time and uh, hopefully also the money. <laughs> so I, I will, I will uh, change a bit uh, for the future. So becoming a real real estate agent, huh? Yeah, I will see. It's, I have some projects, and I hope we will uh, get get this uh, rolling in uh, in uh, in a couple of months. I mean, so those are the business things that you have in the pipeline, uh, and also the skiing things. It's good to hear that you are continuing with the craft ski marathon. I've done it myself a few times. Uh, it's a great race. Uh, when you think about the skiing business uh, right now, and of course things are changing due to the uh, you know the the current situation, we don't know exactly what's going to happen next year. But how do you see kind of the future of long distance skiing, Bispa Ski Classics, and skiing in general? Uh, oh, of course, it's it's hard to say, but uh, I, I think you have seen uh, increasing interesting uh, in, <laughs> increasing interest of skiing in the in the last years, and I'm. Uh, I'm looking quite positive for the for the future for long distance skiing, especially because you have the, the product. I think it's more attractive than if you compare with the traditional the the, the tra- traditional World Cup, where you can see uh, maybe the biathlon is taking over more and more. But uh, in in long distance, you have the na- you have the nature, you have the the views, you have. Uh, it's more tactic. It's more equal to uh, to uh, bicycling, and um, I think it's uh, it's only to continue with uh, with a good pr- product. So uh, there's also yes, I was going to say there's also the fact that the, all the the amateur or recreational skiers are standing uh, standing at the same start line together with the elite and the pro team athletes. That's quite a u- unique thing that you don't have in a, you know at, at World Cup. No, no, no. I, you, it's uh, it's totally unique, and uh, that's the big. I think that is uh, the. If you have to pick one one thing, that is the most uh, uh, biggest difference, and uh, it's very um, important. That it's uh, when you have all the, the amateur skiers on the same starting line, because. Uh, you always have a relationship with someone doing uh, doing uh, the same races as you, uh, because you can ask uh, 
almost every people uh, that uh, if you know someone doing Basaloppet or Marsialonga. And uh, that's quite hard for someone that uh, haven't been uh, able to see on the, the World Cup scene. It's hard to see. You see it on the on the TV, but you have no rela- relationship, uh, actually. And Visma Ski Classic is also kind of looking towards that direction. We have the ranking now and uh, Challenger Series, and many new developments that uh, took shape uh, over the winter. What's your kind of opinion or take on those or the new developments. If I see back on the Ski Classic during all the years, I think this was the the, the most important thing to develop and uh, and do because the, the ranking, especially the ranking system, it collects uh, and uh, bring all the, the athletes and the amateur skis in the in the same platform. And uh, finally, we have uh, we can uh, we can start to develop the ranking system uh, for uh, national uh, races and uh, it's uh, it helps a lot uh, for um, organizers uh, who have the races and also Visma Ski Classics Challenger expanded the brand and the kind of the, the reach as well yeah that was really good uh, i was looking uh, in the in the uh, in the results uh, yesterday for craft ski marathon and i i could count to uh, almost uh, 12 different uh, nationalities uh, in the in in the results so we have people from italy uh, germany denmark norway finland uh, Slovenia, uh, Czech Republic, uh, actually Spain, uh, and so on. So it was, uh, that was really interesting. And all because of your race, Kraftski Marathon was part of the Visma Ski Classics Challenges, correct? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Uh, what do you think that Visma Ski Classics or this brand could do in the future? What else can we have besides these things we just talked about? Oh, it's a good question, but um, I think the the most important thing to do, uh, however, is to reach out to the to normal people, if I could say that. Uh, we need to explain to people uh, what we are doing, what is ski, ski classics. Of course, everyone uh, knows Vasalopen and maybe Marcialonga, but we have to be better to reach out to uh, to people that. From the beginning, uh, not are interested of skiing at all, and uh, that's the biggest challenge, I think. And what is your opinion about the two things that a lot of people uh, discuss about? One is the skating. Should we have more skating? Well, we had one. Uh, should we have skating at all? That's one one question. And the longer distance is kind of the ultra ultra skiing. Those are kind of the arguments that uh, tend to be heard uh, in the field. Yeah, I have heard it, but I'm a bit. I, I think it's the, the. I think keep it simple, actually, uh, because as soon as you you go f- to to some other direction, it uh, it's a bit uh, uh, risky to change the 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 core business. So I think, of course, uh, skating was an interesting. Uh, it was a test, but I think it we should keep it simple with uh, classic technique and uh, keep the distance uh, or keep the distance uh, for the race. Uh, so my opinion is that we, we should keep it so simple as uh, as it could be. And uh, it's I think it's better to work with uh, other things, not, not uh, self-race. Uh, 
so I think it's uh, more important, as I said, to work maybe with sponsors who can uh, help us to uh, improve the products and reach out to, as I said, normal people. And then, of course, the summertime. This summer will be kind of special. We don't have anything taking place in terms of like sports events, but of course, that is a direction that uh, David Nielsen and everyone else is looking into to have more action uh, over the summer. That's that's very important, and that's one of the things I I, I mean. Uh, it's better to to prolong the the season than. The, try to reach out even during the summer because in um, the traditional skier they they, uh, they disappear in in april and then they uh, shows up in in uh, in november and uh, nowadays with a very tough concurration uh, situation between sponsors you need to be visible uh, all year round based on your experience as a team director, and if someone wants to start a new team, what would you like to say to, to him or her? Uh, I think the the most important is to have a good platform. You need uh, you need a, uh, a sponsor that you have a good re- relationship uh, with, and then I think you should start with. It's better to have uh, some few athletes than uh, a lot of them in the beginning, and then you can increase uh, the level. But uh, the most important is that you are, yeah, of course, it's, you are willing to do a lot of work and uh, you can't uh, count on that you will earn a lot of money of the business. You, you, have, you have to be really interested in skiing. As a team director, pro team director, do you need to be a father figure or more of a friend or even a dictator, which is kind of the way that you see is the best model to run a team <laughs> ah, that's a really good question uh, in the beginning the, f- the first year I was uh, I, I think um, my plan was to be a more a friend and just put in the uh, in the edge if the, the train was going on the wrong direction uh, but it was quite easy then and but maybe in the two last years when uh, we lost some um, in the beginning, we have, uh, for example, we had Sarah Lindborg, who is ca- coming from the national team, and she was—I uh, didn't have to do so much for the for the athletes because, yeah, they was looking at her and uh, and uh, follow. But uh, the last year, of course, I was more like a—I have to be more like a, a father. And but uh, yeah, it depends on. It was younger athletes, so uh, it depends on. I th- I, I think. Do you think that that might have been one of the reasons uh, that you get a little bit of tired of it because you have so much on your plate, so much to do, and then running this team, being the father figure, might have been a little bit of too much. You kind of lost your interest a little bit. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I have to say that uh, you you need you, you can't do uh, everything by yourself. You you, you need. Uh, you need uh, people around you that are uh, dedicated and do uh, everything uh, from their heart. You you can't. Uh, if you want to be a professional athlete and perform in this kind of races, you have to have 100% focused. I shouldn't have to ask people if they have tested the skis and what or whatever. It have to come by by themselves. I think. 
that is a good segue to talk about the, your t- little bit about uh, your team uh, in terms of the kind of the success because you mentioned you had a really good skiers and really good results, but still a little bit behind, like a top ten team. And I know that your goal was to be, become pretty much a number one team, at least in your country. Uh, did you kind of feel that something was missing or lacking in terms of that that you weren't able to develop your team to the the highest possible goal? I think we we were pretty close uh, the, the first two years. It was uh, we have especially if you see on the male side. Uh, of course, the Lager 157 have always been a uh, a team to uh, try to reach and and of course uh, beat, uh, and that's uh, good for the motivation. And the, for the two first year, we were able to uh, to beat them on the on the male side. But of course, they have Britta Johansson Norgren, and she's amazing. So so. I tried to have more focus on the on the ladies side in the team, but it was it was really tough to to find the athletes and uh, get a a complete team. Then, uh, so if I have to regret something, I, I should put more focus on the uh, on the ladies side uh, already from the beginning. So I I, I didn't have uh, really an uh, uh, a good plan when uh, when Sarah quit uh, her skiing. So I would say the planning is really important, you know, for a team director as well, not just the immediate plans, but kind of the long term. Yeah, of plan. course. Yeah, yeah, I have to say that. But uh, something more I regret is that uh, I should, uh, of course, it's not so easy, uh, but I should uh, involve someone more that was uh, more. Uh, working maybe with the athletes or in yeah uh, that's uh, so I haven't to do and uh, everything by by myself because every every spring I have to do a lot of work with uh, with the sponsors and then when I finally get the budget uh, completed uh, then I have to start it with with the athletes but when when you are in in May it's uh, you don't have the same time and uh, everyone knows it's athletes is uh, not always the easiest uh, people to have to do it <laughs> so um th- th- that's one of the things i have to, uh, i should do um, different if i have to do this uh, once again so another piece of advice that you could give to, uh, to someone who's starting a pro team is that find someone to support you correct yeah, yeah, I think that's important. Of course, I have been, I have, I have got a lot of uh, uh, help from from different person, of course. But uh, I think you have more uh, visible strategy uh, had been uh, had been better. So you mentioned Lager One Fifty Seven Ski Team earlier, and we've been talking about that particular team, and and they have really developed really well. I mean, this year was exceptional for them. Britta Johansson Nugren, of course, been on the top, you know, for so long, but the, the male athletes did really well as well. But when you look at that team and evaluate them, what did what have they done differently, you know, from your team that they became so successful? It's a lot of difference. Uh, first of all, uh, if uh, they are focused on only one thing. Uh, both uh, uh, Anton is doing a really good job, and uh, he focuses on only one thing: it's the team. Of course, he had some side business of uh, by himself, but everything is connected with the team. And uh, if you see to the perform uh, this year, uh, that's one of the the, the, the key uh, for that. I think for the success. Um, 
and then also it's the same uh, for their sponsor uh, i think lager one one five seven they they have uh, this is the flagship i know stefan palm is saying it uh, by himself that's uh, this is our biggest uh, project and uh, if we compare for maybe Zernic, uh, they have uh, we have like 150 different sponsorships. So it's uh, it's a complete different situation. And also Anton Jernberg, the uh, pro team director of that particular uh, gang, became the uh, the pro team director of the year as well. So they've done lots of things really, really well. And they're really active on, on social media. They publish a lot of uh, the podcasts and, and videos and stuff. And uh, their training methods uh, are being f- you know followed as we speak quite a lot. So let's talk about training. Uh, yeah. What is kind of your... A take or your um, philosophy on long distance training as a pro team director? I think it's the the key for success. I think it's always to keep uh, stuff simple. Uh, and if you want, okay, if you you want to focus on the some training, you have you have to do it. You can't on, only do it for one or two weeks. You have to do it uh, repeatedly. To, uh, yeah, during the year or for some years, I think you can't jump between different strategies. I think you have to keep the same plan. Um, so it's, I think it, that's the more important than its plan itself. And within your team, <clears throat> who uh, might have been the kind of the craziest uh, athlete and the laziest athlete in terms of training? <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's yeah. You can see it in, in both ways. Of course, the most crazy, maybe it's of course it's. Um, I should say it's it's Bob uh, because he have done some uh, roller ski sessions for maybe uh, a full day. Uh, I have done uh, four hundred kilometers sometimes. I know. Yeah, so so he's uh, absolutely maybe the, the craziest, but it's it's his thing. He's getting yeah good, so uh, I think it's it's good for him. Uh, and the laziest, it's hard. It's hard to say. I think maybe he he wasn't uh, doing uh, in the beginning with him. We have some uh, traditional athletes also, and uh, one of them was uh, a really good guy called Anton Lindblad, and he have uh, he, I think he's uh, someone can. Uh, can feel that he's maybe lazy in the training, but I, I think it's have a really good plan, and he was not uh, uh, he was not so curious about people on the side and what uh, everyone else was doing. He was he was keeping his plan. So I, I, okay, so to answer the question, maybe it's him, but I, I don't feel it was a bad thing. Actually, it's a good thing. Speaking of good training plans, how would you construct? a plan or program for an athlete that could be the, the most ideal? For a professional athlete or amateur skiers? At least let's uh, begin with the uh, the professional angle. Uh, I think you... Um, uh, one, one thing that uh, I was doing by myself and I have seen, uh, I think... Uh, I think uh, Max Novak have a good uh, results doing this and that's to have maybe only one training session uh, a day in, in in the in the morning but it's quite long it's really long and then you can combine uh, uh, 
uh, intervals with uh, more uh, easy training. And I think also Austin uh, Pettersson was doing this. And of course, Anders Aukland and the, the guy in, uh, in the Ragde. Uh, so they was doing uh, long sessions, uh, but only have one session a day. So that, that's, uh, I think that was quite good. And it's uh, also similar to, uh, to the races we do in the winter. That's very interesting because a lot of athletes do uh, two sessions, World Cup skiers, and not just skiers, but a lot of people, a lot of athletes really tend to think that you need two, since you're a professional athlete, you need two sessions. But you, what you're saying is kind of going against that you know, philosophy. Yeah, but because if you, you can, some things is equal with the, with pro teams or pro team athletes in in uh, bicycling, they do uh, they do only one session uh, a day, but it's it's long. Of course, it's not the same thing to to, to race in bike and, and in skiing. But I think we when you train two times a day, you have this gap between, and you can't. The best thing is to do nothing between the, the sessions. And you get a lot of time uh, that is uh, waste in, in, in my world. I think it's best, better to do all the training before lunch and then you're, you're free. Of course, you can't do shopping and uh, everything, everything else. You have to rest, but then you have longer, a longer uh, time to rest to, to the next uh, training session. That is a really good point, actually, and that kind of lends itself to uh, to the uh, amateur or recreational skiers or semi-professionals, as I, I kind of call them, people that are uh, doing skiing pretty seriously, but of course still have uh, daily jobs and so forth. They tend to have to do only one workout, you know, per day. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think maybe for. Um... Of course, you have to reach a certain level to be able to do these long sessions. But I think if you are like an amateur skier, maybe put focus on the, on, on the weekends where you are able to have a really good and long training session. And then you can have shorter during the weeks because it's obviously it's harder to combine with maybe family and work. What else would you, what, what other tips would you give to or advice would you give to uh, recreational skiers or skiers who would like to do Visma Ski Classics events? I think uh, uh, we should be aware of that uh, it's a lot, it's easy to put uh, all the focus on, on, the, on the training. But if you want to do a good perform, performance, you have to look all, all the pieces. You have the, yeah, you have, of course, you have to rest, uh, and then you also have the the equipment. I don't mean that you should be in the in the in the waxing room uh, all day and put uh, too much work there, but at least try to understand the material, the skis, uh, and uh, ask for professional help and. Yeah, to try to put uh, more work on, on, on the skis and uh, and also, of course, the, the money. Because it's, if you see, if you have the right uh, construction of the, of the skis and the structure, you can save a lot of time, uh, especially for the, for the longer races. And next, uh, let's, take a, let's take a look at the, uh, the, the next year, the future, a little bit. 
So, Martin, we talked about the future a little bit, uh, what you are going to do. But, of course, next season uh, in Visma Ski Classics, season 11, will be really interesting. What are you? I mean, you're not going to be involved, of course, but you will be uh, looking aside, I, I believe. What are your expectations uh, for the next year? What are you hoping to see come winter 2021? Uh, I, I think it will be a really interesting uh, season and uh, I'm uh, still uh, looking for a, a Swedish male athlete that uh, finally can reach the absolute top. And I think I was really glad to see uh, the work, uh, of course, with uh, Lager 157's uh, uh, success on the male side but, but also you have you, you have to remember Ramadan's performance it was uh, amazing and I think uh, they have a lot of athletes uh, that is uh, quite young and they have, uh, they have a real good potential the most important is to have uh, Swedish, Swedish uh, success I think and that's uh, not only important for the athletes, it's also for the for the sponsorship and uh, that we are able to do this uh, also for, for the future. Who do you think could be the one you mentioned, Max Novak, but also Emil Persson did so well. Pritta will most likely continue to be really strong uh, <laughs> uh, next year. Yeah, I... Um... Yeah, I had to say, as you say, of course, uh, Novak and Emil Persson, they was maybe the guys who was the, the best uh, this winter. Uh, and uh, are they able to increase the level just a bit more? They are really close, uh, I, I, I think. So I think both of them have a good, uh, good potential. Uh, and then it will be interesting and see if we are able to catch up uh, even younger athletes uh, to the long distance uh, race and as you mentioned those two and also Marcus Johansson they are really really good Swedish skiers could be the ones that uh, that are there the next uh, rising stars they are already rising stars but what makes Peter Elias and Anders Negod the kind of the, what I call the usual suspects what makes them so great I think, uh, first of all, they have a lot of experience, not only from the long distance races, they also from the, the national, um, from the traditional uh, races. And then, of course, they have trained a lot for many years. Uh, it's, um, they, I think they are putting a lot of effort in the, in the training and they have a big interesting of uh, almost everything doing with uh, cross-country skiing. So uh, they have a really good passion. And if I have to compare uh, the most uh, obviously uh, difference between Sweden and Norway is uh, I think the, the passion and uh, the, the focus to always uh, pushing hard. Uh, I think that's uh, Norway so far they have been uh, better on it. I think if we are, uh, if we are uh, looking on the male side, but uh, you can on, on the female side, you can see both on the long distance cup and the traditional uh, Swedish uh, women, they are really successful. And I can, fee- I can, I can see that it's like they are quite equal to Norwegian men and, and Swedish uh, females. They have the same uh, focus, uh, maybe. I, I, don't, I, I can't explain it, but... Uh, uh, it's uh, you can see the same uh, passion. And Britta Johansson Nugren, of course, five consecutive uh, uh, champion 
champion titles. That's quite amazing. And she's going, she will be going strong uh, next year as well. Yeah, of course. But uh, then you, you have to not forget uh, uh, Lina Korsgren because uh, her uh, her performance in Vasaloppet this winter was uh, quite amazing, actually. And I think... Uh, she really shows the the skills and uh, almost beat a lot of, of the male skiers on a really high level. So uh, it's not only Britta, it's Lina. You have you have a lot of them. You have the younger athletes in in Ramudden, uh, the ladies there. Uh, so I think it looks uh, it's a really good uh, future for the, for the ladies. I think. And Astrid Resilind, of course, you know, she had a bit of an, a, a mishap, you know, o- over the winter. She looked really strong at the beginning. The Venosta performance was really amazing. Mm. So you're right. I mean, it will be an interesting uh, year because we have so many strong female uh, s- skiers. But And also we had a lot of, as you mentioned, a lot of young skiers. And this past season was often kind of titled the, the Rise of, of, of Youth and you you said that we need to put more focus on on getting uh, more skiers and younger skiers. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's important because uh, if you if you see on 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 the top uh, and especially this year, it's a lot of skiers in, uh, quitting their careers, uh, and uh, we need to fill up uh, from behind because otherwise we are. Uh, we are back in, uh, in the past where we have uh, not so many athletes. So I think the, it's really important to uh, fill up with, uh, with good uh, younger athletes uh, who is willing to take the step into the long distance circus uh, early. But it's not that easy, particularly in the uh, in a women's side. You just mentioned Alina Kuskren's uh, amazing performance at Vasaloped because she was almost in the top 50 in an immense race as well. And I think that's pretty much unheard of. So the women's level or the speed has grown so much in long-distance skiing. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's not easy. It's, uh, it, um, it's big gaps in, in, in the field, but... I think some, somewhere you have to, because Lina, she started somewhere. <laughs> so uh, in the past, she was a bit behind the, the best, but she was keeping uh, pushing hard and uh, believe her at herself. So I think everything is, uh, is possible. So now when you look at this, we've been talking about these athletes and, and of course your team is no longer with us. But when you predict or if you predict the winners for the next season, who would they be? Who's going to take home the Hurts Yellow Champion title of the bib next year? Uh, oh, uh, of course, uh, as you said before, it's uh, it's not uh, a very big surprise if uh, Petr Elias and, uh, or Andreas Nygård, if they are the winners uh, also next year, and, uh, and Britta... Uh, or Astrid, I think it should be, maybe it will be them. Uh, but I, actually, I'm hoping for someone else, actually. And then the best team? Uh, the best team? Oof, ah, uh, you, you, you have to do it really good if you want to, to beat the Ragged, of course. Uh, but Kuteng um, and uh, Lager, they are... They are quite close so it's uh, a bit uh, increasing of the level they will be there 
And as a last thing before we wrap up, we talked about the amateur skiers and the recreational skiers, and you you gave a little bit about some some tips for them. But to kind of wrap thing wrap things up, what would you like to say to them to those people that are now starting the new training season, of course, and uh, then looking uh, towards the the next winter? Kind of your tips from from the pro team director's perspective. I think uh, my tip is, uh, or my tips is to always uh, love uh, what you're doing, uh, unsafe to what, especially nowadays. It's uh, you, you, you really don't know what uh, what to happen. Uh, so I, I think you always have to believe in yourself and uh, and uh, as I said, love what you're doing. Uh, otherwise, it uh, it will be too hard to to uh, motivate yourself for all the training and uh, the time you spent on the on the sport. And now you are standing at the crossroads, uh, picking up uh, new avenues to to follow. What still motivates you? Where do you want to go? Uh, do you mean in in in, uh, in, life in life or in life in in, in life and business? Uh, oh, I think my my my, uh, my life goes hand in hand with the, with the business, so I will just go after. Uh, but uh, I will uh, I will continue um, to follow uh, the ski classics, and uh, actually I'm going to do some uh, also some project with uh, with some of the races. I will have some uh, travel uh, to at least Marcelonga. So I, I will be uh, I will continue to be in the in the in the circus in uh, some way. So I will not uh, lose it. Well, that's great to hear. But thank you very much, Martin Holmstrand. It was really good to have you here. Good luck with your future endeavors, and uh, definitely we will see you around. Uh, thank you. Thank you for letting me talk with you. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.